Hey everyone, this is Gavin. Hey everybody, this is Todd. And I'm Craig. Hey everyone, we are Majors Mess Hall and this is episode 117. Now this is a, a special episode for us because we've got a guest from a show that everyone is talking about currently, which is of course the Tiger King. And we're going to have a quick discussion about that now. And so joining me, uh, we don't have Craig this time, Craig's not with us, but we've got Kelly. Hi. And we've obviously got Mr. Todd Walters as well. Hey, what's up? So, uh, yeah, so first of all, Let's talk a little bit about uh, our guest. Who do we have, Todd? We have uh, Kelsey Saff, the uh, gentleman who lost his left hand. I think it was left, yeah, his left hand and part of his arm due to a uh, an incident on the Tiger uh, Sanctuary Zoo. Yeah, so I, I just basically just reached out and asked Saff if he would come on, and he said yeah. So I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is fantastic. I wasn't expecting him to say that he would do it and he did so yeah so we set it up we had a chat and it was i mean just amazing to hear his side of things you know like there was only so much that he actually said on the on the documentary you know so it was nice and he even said that himself like it's thank you to you guys for letting me give my side of things so it was really interesting um but as a as a documentary as a whole what did you guys think of it because you know i'm just curious to know your guys opinion on it um, I think what surprised me most about the um, the interview is that he said that not a lot of things were exaggerated. That was pretty much real life for him on the zoo, life on the zoo. And I think there's a lot of shock factors throughout. The first episode, I was like, oh, no, I'm not really into it. And you were like, keep watching it, keep watching it. So then when I got onto the second episode, that's when Saf has the accident and kind of this is like shocking moment after shocking moment throughout each episode and yeah I just was like oh my god things that you never thought would happen happened and then it took it to all different ways like politics and music you would just weren't expecting it to go yeah and then obviously the crime element so, so Todd, like, if somebody said to you, "What is the Tiger King about?" What would you say? How would you describe it? What's your premise of the show? Uh, my description would be that it is a, a documentary that is basically centered around uh, the ethical treatment of animals, on which side of the fence you sit on that. But it's um, the depiction of, I would say, many larger than life people that unfortunately was all a reality um i mean it was just it it was like watching a crazy ass tv show that you sat there from week to week and go what the hell this can't be real but unfortunately it was not only real but as saf told us a lot of the stuff about 
Joe Exotic was even toned down. Like they didn't really capture how over the top Joe was on the documentary, which blew my mind because I'm like, if that's him toned down, I'd hate to see when they dial him up to 11. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's, I mean, like you say, the guy is truly the guy is missed his, he was an entertainer. He missed his calling. I mean, he, he was great with the animals, but if you look at it, he was a, a country music wannabe star. He was uh, a, a magician. He was an animal handler and, and a great, he was kind of reminded me of a P.T. Barnum type of guy uh, that, you know, no matter what situation you put him in, he was going to rise to the top and be the star and, and make sure he entertained you and got your money doing it. So... Uh, basically, the pre- the premise of the show is just shows the cutthroat uh, reality of a business like that that is illegal on certain levels, but you find loopholes around it because it, it goes to show the greed that if you have the right amount of money, you can get what you want. Yeah, uh, in this yeah, world, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, and it doesn't matter what the laws are if you don't have the proper people there to police it and and uh, you know enforce them. Uh, shit still goes on anyway, so what's the point? <laughs> yeah, that's basically no, that's, what yeah. I got away from. That, that's it, that's exactly it, and and Saf is somebody that works there and helps look after, you know, the big cats and all the other animals and stuff, so um, and obviously, right. you know, he lost his hand at some point, and, and, and that was like, that, like Kelly said, that was like the first big shock factor of the documentary, was that, you know, there was somebody there that had lost their hand, and, and then it was just like, it just went on from there, and just so much stuff we don't want to spoil too much I mean there is things that are going to be discussed in the interview and obviously after the interview we're going to discuss it a little bit more as well you know that may be considered spoilers but um, I would suggest if you don't want any spoilers you switch off go watch the show and then come back and listen to the interview but if you don't mind or you've already seen it I mean enjoy it you know we're going to go through now yeah. to the interview with um, with Saf and uh, we'll talk again afterwards so uh, yeah, here is our interview with uh, Saf. Cause I saw Tiger, now I understand. I saw Tiger, Tiger saw me. I saw Tiger, Tiger saw me. Joining us today is star of the smash hit Netflix documentary Tiger King. Kelsey Saf Safri. Let me just start off by saying what a wonderful privilege it is for us to be able to talk to you today. No, it's not a problem at all. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So the first question I've got for you is is how are you how are you dealing with with being part of the biggest show in the world at the moment? Like this is the only thing anybody is talking about aside from obviously the virus. Right, right. Um yeah. <laughs> It's pretty surreal for me, honestly. I've, I've always been very low-key, and this is completely new to me. So I'm taking it in stride, trying to navigate my way through it all. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's just like, it, I mean, it's nice in a way because it's we need. It's what we needed. We really needed something to keep keep us entertained and, and get our minds right. thinking about something else. So, 100%. So how did you get into um, the big cat world? Yeah, you know, um, I've always been interested in tigers my whole life. In fact, as soon as I could say the word tiger, I was asking for it on my birthdays and Christmas. Uh-huh. So um, I, I was born and raised in Hawaii, actually. And, oh, um, wow. Lovely place. Nice. Love it. Yeah, yeah, pretty paradise. 
and you just can't have them there. So obviously I never got a tiger for my birthday. Um, so as an adult, it was my main mission. You know, I'm going to get my hands on a tiger somehow. Um, and I joined the military. Um, and while I was transitioning out of the military after my military career, I uh, was in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And I just went ahead and, and did a Google search for tigers. How do I get my hands on a tiger? And and that was the first place I found closest to me. Uh, and the day I stepped foot on park, I never left. So that's how I got into it. Wow. So uh, have you always had a passion for animals? I have, yeah, most definitely. I didn't, when I was a kid, I didn't think it was, it wasn't normal, you know? I didn't think it was just something I did and not something everybody did, but I did. I used to um, actually take, it sounds horrible now, but I used to take baby bird nests out of trees and, <laughs> and try to tend to them, you know, try to feed them and water them and yeah, I definitely always um, had more of a gravitational pull towards animals than people, you know. That's amazing. So <laughs> so when you got into the whole tiger thing, like how did you, first of all, how did you meet Joe? Like how did that come about? Yeah, uh, honestly, just a Google search. Um, and his park was, you know, about an hour east of me at the time. Um so I just reached out and just said, hey, you know, I, I see that you have internships or you have, you know, these programs where um, you allow people to come in and kind of learn the trade and whatnot. And he said, yeah, definitely. Whenever you, you know, want to come down, you should you should make time and make it a set an appointment and come down. Um, and I, I tell you, the, the second I met him, he was exactly the way you guys were introduced to him as well. <laughs> so... <laughs> He's a very charismatic, entertaining figure. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that was that was another question. Actually, the ad was was did it did the show portray him in a true light? And you say that that it did. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, uh, and and I would say they may have even you know kind of dulled it down, um, just because I seen it on a daily basis. <laughs> wow. You know, and for for almost ten years. He went, you know, that amount of days every day surprising me on a daily basis, you know. So it was always something new, something different, something outrageous with him. And that's just my experience with him, you know. So that's all I know. So uh, a weird question that I may have is, um, uh -huh. so you, you work around tigers and you get used to being around these animals. What's the mindset when you go into a job where you think that you're, you know, I mean, obviously you have like a love and a respect for these animals but they're very dangerous or can be. So what, how do you prepare yourself to be around an animal that you know if you turn your back on them, they could potentially harm you? Like, what's that like? Hmm, that's that's a great question, but I, I don't think I've ever had that moment, to be honest with you. I think my passion overrode my sensibility, I guess. <laughs> okay. I don't think there was ever a moment that I said, this is dangerous. You know, I acknowledge every day that it's it's not for the faint of heart, but I don't think I was ever fearful of the animal. Okay. That's, that, that's crazy because I would be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with good reason, you know, I just, I genuinely don't think I've ever felt that feeling um, as far as interacting with the tigers, the lions, you know, anything that's just this be, these big, outrageous, exotic animals um, and, and kind of marked dangerous. Because, you know, we had bears on park. We had... 14-foot alligators on park, you know, and I don't think there was ever a time that I was fearful. 
So in the is the documentary exaggerated in general or is it pretty much accurate representation of how things were on life on the zoo? You know, oh no, I definitely think it's accurate. As far as um just like the drama part of everything, I think that was highlighted for sure, you know? Um <laughs> to to make it entertaining or whatnot. Yeah. The, these are all facts. These are all real people. Um, and in, in real time, I mean, you guys met the same people I met. And I know every single one of them personally. So That's very rare that it is. Usually <laughs> accurate, normally always. The most uh, entertaining TV or movies are the ones that kind of aim for the type of things that Joe Exotic is made out of, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. So I think... It's entertaining. Because, you know, that's what everyone else aims for as far as entertainment goes. It's kind of like watching the Jerry Springer show. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You get to see this larger-than-life thing, you're like, wow, do people really act like that? And they go, yeah, yeah, they do. (laughs) (laughs) The the general response, from what I can see from the show, seems to be that people kind of feel sorry for Joe. Um, you know, obviously there's many people that don't feel that way, but just it seems to be that, you know, the outpouring is that, you know, they, they feel he's been wronged. Like, how do you think he would feel about how the show has been perceived? Do you think he'd be, I mean, maybe he knows, I don't know, but I'm just curious. Because right. he's like, he's like right. the biggest celebrity in the world at the moment, and that's kind of what he always wanted. That's exactly it, you know, and, and that's that's exactly what I was about to say, is that he has literally lived every day of his life aiming to be the star of the show and he is very much so the star of the show now so he is ecstatic even if it is behind bars you know yeah so do you feel do you feel that he was wronged you know i i in this case i truly feel like it's um it's a matter of like the the meanest kids on the playground and he's 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 the one that gets picked on the most you know so it's if that's what you're going to say, if that's how people feel about it, Joe's been like, yes, you know, the, he was definitely uh, the one that everyone was working against. Yes. Um, other than that, I mean, I, I think he he just got caught up in it because, you know, Joe doesn't know how to not be involved in something. You know, Joe, if, he's, if he feels strongly for it, then he's going to speak out about it. You know, he, they, we're talking about a man who ran for president of the United States. You know? <laughs> I mean, we're not yeah, talking about... Yeah, he got 14% of the vote in the, in the state. He, I mean, he it's... did. He did. <laughs> he, he's, not, he's not your average Joe. He is, he is definitely <laughs> your exotic Joe, you know? So, yeah, that's, that's really all I got on that one. <laughs> so one of the aspects of the show that they um, touched on was your, uh, your mishap. Where you lost your hand and part of your arm, like, um, uh, could you take us through like what led up to that and how that happened exactly? And was it something yeah, you were yeah. just doing like a typical normal everyday thing, and it just was an accident, or what? What exactly happened? Oh, that's that's exactly what it was, um, and it was it was not an accident; it was a mistake. You know, it was complacency on my end. Um, okay. And for that reason, exactly, is that it? It was so routine to me. It was, I did that every day, maybe a hundred times a day. I did that exact same thing. Um, so, you, you know, you, you do the same thing over and over again. You think, you don't think is the thing. It just right. becomes nature. Um, and, you know, when you work with things like exotic animals or dangerous animals, 
you can't be complacent. And I just was. And that was my biggest mistake. So was it you were trying to feed an animal and, and it happened? Or That's what exactly what You know, um, it's we have this system where you move it from its main enclosure into a, a, what we call a shift pen. And it's just somewhere for it to stay so that it's not in the cage with everyone trying to clean and water and stuff like that. Okay. So he's in a shift pen and I'm just moving him now that he got, you know, his cage cleaned from that pen to his main enclosure. And mind you, this, it's just a gate between the two pens, you know, so you open the gate, it goes one way, you close the gate. And I've, like I said, done it a hundred times a day, every day. Um, and I just, instead of using the tools provided, I just went ahead, reached in and tried to pull that gate, you know, and, um, it was winter, it was October. So I had on a big, you know, coat and some gloves and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that the tiger told me it wasn't an aggressive move, but I think he was more plain, you know, he thought it was a stuffed animal or, or something. Oh, like that. sure. Yeah. And, you know, if a 600 pound animal wants to be aggressive with you, you're going to lose a little bit more than a hand. So, right. Yeah. That's the thing. Even with something like that, it's, it's playtime. It's used to doing it with other 600 pound animals. So animals you take an like average that. sized person. Um, they're not going to match up too well against that. So <laughs> that's, that's it, you know. I so I I I know that um, it could have been worse. I'm very happy that you know I I didn't lose more than I did. Um, and you just kind of learn and move on, you know. So you made the decision to obviously not have the you know the the arm. You you did, the doctor gave right. you the option, and you ch- you chose to have it removed. Do you regret that now? Because I know that it was going to be like two years of reconstructive surgery. No, I don't. I don't regret my decision. Um, in fact, when they did say that, you know, they would have to amputate, um, they told me that it would have been above the elbow. So I actually came out with more than I thought I would. So that made me happy. Um, I can tell you two years after my decision to amputate it, you know, it, it brought up some things, some emotions, some feelings, but I think at, the, at that time, you know, I had gone two years of life without the left hand, and it just became normal to me. Yeah. Um, so, and, and now, you know, almost seven years later, it's it's like I don't know. I don't even know what life was with with two hands. You know. So. And and like you say, you know, you you were expecting to lose more of it. So just having that extra bit, I mean, that obviously must make a massive difference in what you can actually oh. still do. Big time, yeah. And you know, you you live and learn. You know, every day I find something new that I didn't know that I couldn't do. You know, and then I just work on doing it. I mean, when I first amputated, my first you know six months um, after it healed and whatnot, I I couldn't tie my shoes or you know button my own shirts and stuff. And now I can I can tie a shoe one handed. You know. Wow. So, so you learn to adapt and overcome then. Oh, 100%. You know, if you just keep striving, just keep knowing that you can, you can overcome. And you were back at work four days later. Is that true? Well, it happened on the 5th of October. Um, So it happened seven days after the incident, five days after the amputation. So seven days later from the time of the incident, I was back on park. Wow, that's crazy. (laughs) I mean, I admire you for doing it. I, I think I would have milked the time off, to be honest. I'd have been like, oh, no. In fact, I actually did. I actually did. I crushed my my little finger, my pinky finger. I crushed, I crushed it underneath a skip. 
And uh, and I, I mean, I did actually need some plastic surgery on it to be honest. But I mean, I mean, look who I'm talking to. I can't really can't really get anyone to feel sorry for me. But I actually did take a lot of time off work, and it was advised by the doctor. But still. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, it was definitely advised by my surgeon as well. Um, but my biggest thing at the time and, and, you know, if it had happened in at home, it, it I definitely would have took the time off and whatnot. But um, because of the situation, you know, I definitely just wanted to get back to park and do a little bit of damage control, you know. Yeah, um, the yeah. Longer, in my head, the longer I sat in that hospital, the bigger of a story it was going to be when I got out. So, right. But you the, the, especially the like the animal rights activist group and things would see that as a, you know, like a, uh, a way to say, Oh, this is exactly why we shouldn't have these kind of things because these things happen. So, right. Exactly. And, you know, um, and my argument to that would be, well, you know, it's my career decision, you know, as a, as a grown up to, to choose what I want to do. Firefighters take the risk of getting burned every single day, you know, um, so I know the risk that my job or my career entails and I choose to do that every day. So it should be my decision to do so. Um, and, and that point didn't need to be argued because it's, you know, everyone knows that they're, they're coming from the animals point of view, you know, animal rights activists think that they know what's best for animals and, and they, they do. Um, and we do too, you know, so we're fighting the same fight except against each other, which is the most ridiculous thing about this. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I was just there for the animals. You know, they have given me and my entire life more than I will ever be able to give back to them. So the, the best thing that I could do at that time was to make sure that the park didn't get shut down for one, because where are these animals going to go after that? That's their home. Yeah. Um, I knew that the way to do that was to just get right back to park. So that's what I did. So do you miss it now that you're not doing it anymore? <laughs> I do. I do miss um, the everyday thing. It, it it consumed me from the moment I opened my eyes to the moment I shut them again, you know? Um, and I loved every second of it. And, you know, when you love what you do, you don't work a single day in your life. Um, and that was my life for almost 10 years. So, yes, I, I definitely wow. miss it. But I, I, I do know that I do not want to be a part of the animal industry ever again. <laughs> So why, what was it that made you leave? Uh, you know, my reason for being on park was the passion that I had to work with these animals and to, to keep these animals, you know, captive animals cannot be returned to the wild. Um, and, and we put them in cages. So the best thing we can do is make the best of their time, you know, that we have. Um, or that we can, and that's what I was doing on a daily basis. You know, that was my mission every day was to get up and how can I do what's best for them while I can, you know, while I'm here. Um, and once I realized that that was not going to happen on that part, that's when I stepped away. So the one uh, moment that stuck out for me was when the um, two chimps were yeah. caged and then they were, um, I think they were given to a different park and they had a big space and they were put together and they were in the middle of the field like hugging each other. Yeah. Was there any time when you thought, um, this is not right, what's going on here? I need to do something about it. On park? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the moment that I thought that was when I realized that the animals weren't, you know, at the forefront of 
of everyone's mind that I was working with directly. Um, and that's when I left, you know, like I said, once I realized that I wasn't going to be able to progress anyway, in any way, shape or form on that part, I walked away from it. Um, and it did unfortunately have a lot to do with the people there. Um, and the, the dynamic there, um, so the change so, of ownership, 100%, you know, just, just the dynamic in general. Um, and then of course, once all this drama unfolded, which, which was after I left the park is when more of this all came out, you know, it all kind of fell apart from there. Um, I'm, so you got was, out at the right time. <laughs> I did. I was very, I was very happy that I had walked away when I did because, man, that I don't know what would have happened if I was around for that, you know? Um, that would have been it, hard being an animal lover. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, you know, we do we do go from day to day wondering if we're doing what's best, you know, because you can read all the books in the world, you can talk to all the people, you know, Um but you'll never really know if you don't know what's best for them because they can't tell you. You know, like the chimps, Joe was right. Those those chimps sat in cages next to each other for years, for years. And and they could have easily not because the second you put them together in a big field, they're sitting there hugging each other. These are two, you know, fully intact male chimps. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah, but that moment really got us, me. We never yeah. do that. <laughs> Makes your heart, yeah. Well, there was another another scene there, and this might just be me, I don't know, but there was another scene that's kind of the opposite of that, where there was a, you were moving all these tigers, but there's there so many in one cage. There was like, it looked like there was like 10 or something, and they were all, they looked like a herd of cattle. Like, does, was, that, it, was that a normal thing to do? Because that, that didn't seem right to me. It's not, um, if, you, if by normal you mean natural, absolutely not. You know, tigers by nature are solitary creatures. But that's the thing about captivity is anything that you raise together will will only know that. We had a lion that lived with a bunch of dashing hounds, you know, wow. um, <laughs> because they were raised together. You know, it's not natural, but on that part in those ca- cages, they it was normal, you know. Yeah. It's and crazy. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there is absolutely no way you could have took that wiener dog away from that lion. <laughs> that's so sweet it's like a symbiotic relationship almost that's amazing oh, yeah. exactly you know and that's just that's the stuff that we get to see because we're a part of it or we you know yeah, I mean it's there on our park um, and and like I said that wasn't even shown and I think there was like a clip of it in the video or in the documentary and that's it so there's a lot more to the animal industry than than just you know these big arguments over who's doing what better and who's, you know, doing what wrong. So, like, you, the way you come across in the documentary, this is just a viewer's opinion, you come across absolutely lovely. Like, one of the most genuine people on the show, and, the, the, again, my opinion, there wasn't too many. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you the four people I thought seemed like they were genuinely nice people, and that's obviously... like. And when I say nice people, I mean, you know... There was nothing else going on behind the scenes that you would question. Right. Was, was yeah. you, uh, John Rainkey? I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. The guy, with, the guy with no, yeah. yeah, he seemed like he was a really nice guy. Um, yeah. Eric Cowie, he seemed like he was, he genuinely loved the animals, which I, I, oh, yeah. I, I admired. And then obviously Josh as well, the campaign manager, he seemed like a lovely guy as well. 
Um, but right. with, with that said, now as as time goes on, and and you're gonna you're gonna hear a lot more of what people think of you, which, like I say, for the most part, everybody thinks you are an amazing person. I, I I've not heard anyone say anything bad about you. So with that yeah. said, I know you said before that you you've got no interest in getting involved with animals again. But do you, do you not think that maybe there's a possibility? Because my opinion is that you are you are such a benefit to the animals. You know, it's it's so important, essentially. Right, right. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I I definitely thought about it um, as far as, you know, I, I am okay with not being on the forefront of it all, the front lines, um, right now, just because it, it got so heated so quickly. I yeah. mean, for me to watch this documentary, which I enjoyed it, you know, but for me to watch these people that are at the forefront of this so-called, you know, uh, I don't know how to really put it, just convoy, you know, you're supposed, we're all supposed to be on the same team because we all work with these exotic animals that, that we fought for the rights to, to own and display and work with like this. So to see them all kind of just be each other's own enemies was kind of devastating for me, honestly. Yeah. And yeah, I, I just imagine, don't want yeah. part of that family or that crowd anymore. Um, and that's why I say I, I would never work, you know, be a part of the animal industry again. Um, but that doesn't mean that I still won't be there, you know, on the sidelines to, I mean, I am, I think that even the customers play a role in the fight, you know, so every customer that comes through to interact with these animals makes a difference, you know, yeah. or even just visit them at a zoo, you're still doing the same because it's contributing directly back to the animals. Well, hopefully at least. Yeah. Right. In, in this case, not so much. And that's why I was so upset. <laughs> so thinking of the animals in mind, um, what do you think moving forward would be the best for like the exotic animals like tigers and lions? Do you think like a zoo in captivity is good for them or uh, trying to conserve them in their wild or having like a big sanctuary that's open to where they could roam like hundreds of acres and kind of be in their normal habitat but still be in a kind of protected area away from people or how do you what do you think is the best for the animals overall best for the animals obviously would be natural habitats right okay. but i think at this point we're so far along like it was pointed out in the um in the documentary there are more tigers in captivity than there is in the entire world in the wild That's so right sad. And, and, and obviously it, you it, can't it, release it, them back into the wild because they wouldn't know how to exactly. you know, fend so for themselves. So far into the problem that there isn't a simple, you know, fix as far as are they better off in the wild or better off in captivity. It's it's a matter of which now which issue do or not which issue, but which solution or part of the solution do you support? Do you support or fund building sanctuaries that are, you know, like the wild and such or or rebuilding their natural habitats somewhere right right or do you support you know the zoos who are doing the best that they can with the captive tigers that we currently have um so i i do i would love to see one day a place where these captive tigers um can you know live as if they were in the wild but I know that the only way that anyone's going to ever pay it any mind, aside, which is, it's so odd because this 
documentary has brought so much attention to it. But the only other way that it's going to, you know, get to the public eye is if you interact with them, if you go to the zoo to see the tiger, you know, if I mean, that's the only way anyone cares about anything is if it becomes a part of their life somehow, you know, right. Um, if the, you know, if, if something only happens in one part of the world to the rest of the world, it never existed. And that's really, that's really what we're playing with it here. It's about so drawing true, yeah. the issue itself. Yeah. Okay. If they decided to do a second series, which they do this all the time, when something's successful, they try and milk it and do something else. Like they did it with Making a Murderer, they did a second series. If they did a second series and they approached you to like, you know, do some more interviews on the side, to not necessarily get involved with anyone, but just talk again, would you do that? Right, yeah, no, um, yes, I would. And it's it's for one reason, Um, the same reason that I actually did this series. You know, I refused actually to, to participate in this documentary from the start. Um, and finally, you know, on one last attempt, the, the filmmaker said, listen, this this story is going to be told no matter what, with or without you. He said, you have a hell of a story, and I think it should be told by you. So if I am involved, yeah, if I'm involved in any way, shape or form in the continuing of this series, um, and there is a story that need, you know that is, that I'm a part of or directly involved with. Then yes, I definitely want it to be told by me. So one other question I've got is like the whole like uh, you know it, the plot to you know have Carol Baskin assassinated. Like, do you do, do you think that that was legit? Like, what's your opinion? Do you think he was set up, or do you think he did pay that money to have her killed? Right. Um. I think that he definitely <laughs> talks way too, too much. Um, he knows this. <laughs> it's his face, you know? So um, it's just a part of his character. And, and that's, I think that's what happened is, you know, when you, when you say something to so many people, it's going to start getting back around, you know? Yeah. Um, but I wasn't around for any of that. You know, I wasn't a part of any of that. So I don't know much else about it except, you know, what you guys are seeing for the first time on, on this documentary. Um, like I said, it, it highlighted a lot of the secret conversations that were had outside of what I knew. And I only knew what pertained to animal care and animal handling. So definitely everything didn't matter to me, sense. you know, all the little bickering and stuff. It didn't matter. It didn't have anything to do with the animals. I don't care. <laughs> Like so with you having like the uh, the animal's best interest in mind, how do you feel Absolutely. about people that have like, say, a rich person wants to get his daughter a tiger for her birthday? How do you right. feel about someone showing up to a place like Joe's and purchasing a tiger and putting it in her home as a pet, not having any, you know, prior knowledge of how to care for the animal and and how to properly, like, it's pretty much just like a. a I mean, like a, like a toy or a piece for a kid, right, right. so it doesn't benefit the animal. So, do you think that there should be legislation and laws in the states to kind of uh, avoid people from being able to do that? I think it, it goes all the way across the board with any animal. It, you know, I think you shouldn't get a dog if you don't want a dog or a lifetime responsibility, except this lifetime responsibility comes with the risk of it eating you 
you know? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. that's the thing. It's, it's if somebody doesn't know how to properly care for this beast, exactly. they don't truly respect I and appreciate it. The, yeah, responsibility right across the board, responsibility and accountability right across the board needs to be legislated for sure, 100 okay. And it doesn't just go for exotic animals, but obviously it's it's a little bit more pressing when it's a 600-pound tiger in your living room compared to a chihuahua. <laughs> that right. just, you know? Well, I, I agree with you 100% on that. <laughs> I can't, like, it, for me, it's like, you know, that, we've got one cat, and changing a little litter box <laughs> is a pain, so I can't imagine <laughs> you want to be like changing a tiger-sized <laughs> litter box. Right, exactly. you, need, you need a shovel for that shit. Like, that's the, no way. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, now multiply that by, you know, a hundred, you know, <laughs> and that's just one, you know, so I, I, I feel like responsible anything ownership is, is what needs to be highlighted here, you know, I mean, they, they take children away from parents when parents aren't properly caring for these children, it should be the same for anything across the board that has life, Yeah. you know, um, and and that's just that's kind of where I stand on it all, honestly. Awesome. So there were so many shocking moments during um, the documentary, and one of them that stood out for me was um, the arson attack. And there's also <laughs> so many stories that have come out of that. So apparently the alligators are Michael Jackson's and that kind of thing. And I, I think oh. one one thing for me was um, I was surprised that there was so many different animals because it was so focused on the um, the big cat side of things. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I mentioned that as well. I said, for one, there's there's not enough footage of what we actually did on that part. Um, I mean, on a daily basis, it was such a grind to feed, clean, and care for every animal on that park. We had so many, we had 1,200 animals at any given point, wow. you know. I mean, just 50, 60 different types, di different species. You know, some people, they they would stand at the gate waiting to see the birds. You know, I mean, some people needed to see the alligators. There were so many different things. There was chimps and there was other primates and there was skunks, raccoons, you know. It was, wow. it was just a menagerie of animals. And, and it wasn't just big cats, but obviously the big cats were at the forefront. Yeah. Because that's where all the pressing issues were. But the cost of running that must have been extortionate. Yeah, and the yeah. meat. Well, I see you yeah. get the meat. You got the meat from Walmart, was it? Have I got that right? Yeah, we had these contracts, you know, right? We had these contracts. And, and what they did is they just they just um, would donate these meat or these trucks of meat to us. And it literally saved us. I mean, because if you can imagine having to feed a family of five um, per week, and then just multiply multiply that family of five to a family of you know two hundred and twenty, because that's how wow. many big cats we had yeah. at some. Yeah, and that's just the big wow. cat, you know. So, yeah, it was it got it got incredible, and that's why I know, and I said it, you know, in the documentary, there were times that it got really tough, but somehow Joe always found a way to you know get through it somehow. Um, so. Yeah. Wow. So, do you do you think, or would you like to see justice served? Because, like, to those that are like still walking walking the streets, basically, because there's people involved in that documentary that are crooks, and it's right. proven that they are. 
and they're definitely guilty of things. And it's not fair that you, whether it's right or wrong, it's not fair that Joe's the only one inside. Do you? Would right. you like to see justice served and karma prevail? Yeah. Yes. One hundred percent. You know. Um, I. I don't. I don't sleep well at night. You know. Me. I've always said from the start that I don't involve myself in the case. I did not support nor indict him. Um, and I chose that. I chose to step away and, and not be involved. But I don't hate him. You know? I worked yeah. with him for almost 10 years directly every day. I don't hate him. Um, I just don't want to be involved. Um, I do think that it's sad that he may possibly die in prison. You know? Yeah. Yes, if this is the beginning of justice for the animals, then it should go across the board. So, yes, I, I think that there is two daughters and a wife in Florida that deserve to, to get some answers, you know. Um, there's there's just a lot. I know that everyone involved is just living their life, but there are people being negatively affected. And, and if justice is there, then it should go across the board is what I'm saying. Right. Have you spoke to him at all since he's been in prison? I have. Um it was just one time in 2018 he uh, put out on Facebook um, that, you know, if anyone has the time, they should visit his mom in the new nursing home she was at. So I, I did. I went to go see her, and then I um, he called me that night because, you know, word gets around really quickly to him. <laughs> so he, he called me that night. I did answer. He, he did try calling me prior to that. I never answered or never responded. But I think I owed it to him. Um, I knew Shirley just as long as I knew Joe, and she didn't do a single thing wrong in this in this thing. You know, she was a victim. Yes. She was a victim. So. Yeah, she was. I felt really really bad for her. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we've got one more question, and then we we can wrap this up. So, the final question is from me anyway. I don't know if the other guys have got any questions, but my final question is: Did Carol kill her husband? <laughs> Man. <laughs> Yeah, that's such a loaded question because if, uh, I mean, if yes, I think she did because that's the type of person she is, you know? But no, because there's no evidence, right? Yeah. That's that's, that's the thing. No, you, you need the evidence, right? <laughs> but in the, in the game of uh, who did it, yes, definitely all fingers point at her. <laughs> Speaking of Carol Baskin, do you think she's kind of a hypocrite, like in the series, how she portrayed Joe being such a horrible, evil person and Doc Annell being so bad, but yet she's kind of doing the exact same thing that she was accusing them of being um, horrible right. against the animals for, but yet she has animals in cages and she charges right. people to have their right. picture taken and to pet them. So isn't she part of the problem if that's the way she sees it? Right. Yeah. Um, exploitation is exploitation. Um, and if that's the word she wants to use, then, you know, she falls under that category as well. Um, I think everyone's biggest argument is, you know, she rescues and not buys. Again, not not fact. Like, I don't know if that's a fact. <laughs> I'm just repeating. Um, right. I guess she doesn't breed the animals in captivity for her own personal gain. But yet she still puts them out there to profit off of them. So, I mean, yes, she's a hypocrite in the sense that they are doing what they have to do to support you know, their zoo or their sanctuary or whatever they call it. Um, 
And then, of course, Joe breeds and she does not, you know. Um, right. So, yes, the, in that sense, it's the same. Um, I think Carol just focused on what she could use against Joe and she found the right key because, man, she she got to him. She got under his skin for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, another question for you as well is that I've, I've seen like on Twitter there's a, like a, there's a lot of questions going on about how you like to be referred. Um, right. What what is what is the situation with that? How would you how would you like to be referred? Because I know you there was another interview you did and you wanted to clear that up. Yeah, you know, um, well, you know, just from the start, I I don't think I've ever put that at the forefront of anything. It's literally never crossed my mind. But I do understand that it means something to a lot of people. So for me, I prefer he, um, but I'm not going to sit around telling anyone what to do. Honestly, I just, you know. I really, admi- I really admire that. I think that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, an awesome attitude to have. <laughs> I just roll with it, man. Um, I like to be happy. I don't, I don't of like course, yeah. That's what that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. As long as nobody's calling you names, it doesn't really matter what you know what they call you at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. We're all we're all. You human. seem like a pretty happy. Yeah. You seem pretty happy, laid back person. Anyway. I am. I am. <laughs> and, and sometimes it's almost selfishly unaware of just anyone else. <laughs> I just yeah. want to do what I I know makes me happy. I'm a little bit reckless, um, but you know my biggest saying is. If you're gonna be dumb, you know you just gotta be tough. So. <laughs> um, and as for your as for your name, do you prefer Kelsey or Saf? Either work. Yeah, they're they're both Kelsey's my first name or my English name, and Safri's my last name. Um, I went by Saf a lot because when I got out of the military, at that point, I you know in the military it's all last names. So yeah, yeah, that, yeah. All these years of being Saf, that when I got to the zoo, that's actually how I introduced myself to Joe. Is hey, I'm Saf. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So in England, so, it's like it's very, it's very big on nicknames in England as well. Right. Like, you know, my name is Gavin, but everybody calls me Gav in in England. But except when I come right. to Canada, it's Gavin, Gavin, Gavin. So yeah, uh, depends where you go. Exactly. You know, so either one works. They're both my name, and I absolutely love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I just want to just want to say thank you very much for your time, and and especially for downloading yeah. Skype. Like I say, that was so wonderful of you. And it's been we've inv- we've interviewed a lot of people, and it's been extra lovely talking to you. So thank you very much. Yeah, no, it was a pleasure. I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome. Yeah, so we're we're good work on the preservation of the animals. Keep the fight going because it's uh, you know it's a very 100%, important issue. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So where where can people find you on social media? You know, I've I've always had uh, the Instagram and the Facebook um, and the Twitter open. I just I'm not very present on there, um, but I do I do appreciate people reaching out. Um, I know it takes a lot. You know, it's it's a pretty bold move to reach out to a stranger um, in good faith. So I definitely started to or or wanted to reply to everybody. So I'm very active as far as replying and whatnot. Um, and it's just my first and last name on every. On every platform, you know. Excellent. Well, well, we'll put a link in the description of the episode anyway, so if people do want to follow you, they'll they'll do so. Awesome. I appreciate you guys letting me tell my story. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, well, guys. Thanks. Thank thanks it's very been much. Been lovely having you on. You have a nice weekend. Take care. See you. Mama's got some treats for you. Oh, here, kid.
So, there was our interview there with Saf, and uh, again, just want to say, like I always do, thank you very much, Saf, for coming on and giving us your time. It was absolutely amazing to talk to you, and uh, just now you've you've got us thinking now more about the show. I kind of want to go back and rewatch it now, knowing some of the things that he told us. So, so what do you guys think of the interview and uh, Saf as a person? Really nice person. He's really laid back and open and honest with his opinions, so kind of gave us a bit more of an insight of how things were. Todd? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was just an awesome, <laughs> down-to-earth, um, like, humble individual. When you talk to people like that, it always amazes me because he was kind of like an unsung hero of the show, in my opinion, because I think he was truly there for the right reason. It was all about the animals. He didn't get into the whole flamboyant, over-the-top spectacle of it. It was just care for the animals he and and basically three or four other people were all about the animals all about the passion of working with the animals and the conservation of the animals so i think that um that came across in the interview extremely well and the fact that he was just very open and honest and whatever we asked he was perfectly fine with answering so i mean it was just a really uh, an awesome interview probably one of the best ones i've been involved in because it was just um, I, I didn't feel like at any time I was stepping on anybody's toes or I didn't have any questions where I was like, oh, shit, this might be you know, asking too much or this might be a, a, a bad subject to bring up. Everything we asked, he was like, yeah, sure, no problem, and just was open and honest about it. So I yeah. thought that was awesome. Yeah, he was very, very accommodating. And like you were yeah. saying, you know, there was like he was one of the most genuine ones on the show as well. Um, and I mean, there was a, there, there was a lot of shit going on behind the scenes with, you know, with Joe and, and everybody else, but... Um, but people, people like Saf, like they were just genuine people that were working there and doing their best for the animals, and and you know, for that reason, I'm I'm glad that you know I'm glad that he was you know one of the ones we managed to get to be honest to come on and talk to us. So, right. Yeah, I don't think that any of the zoo workers would have been involved in all that behind the scenes fiasco or the money making. They obviously were just there to care for the animals. Where as all the big dogs, should we say? <laughs> <laughs> then obviously after um, making money, like that's what hit me. It's like some of the having all the t- baby tigers taken away from the mum so early on, and he's got tiny little tigers that he's feeding in his room, and then the chimpanzee moment. Obviously, that's yeah. so just some little things like that. Right. Just yeah, like there's just there's stuff like that bothered me. Like you know, like when he had them in yeah. his bedroom and he was like, all he do is scream, and it's like I can't fucking sleep. I had to sleep in the other room, and it's like, well, they're fucking newborns and they want their mum. Like that's the reason why they're crying. <laughs> fucking cretin. Yeah. Like that right. shit, like that really pissed me off. And and like you know, one one of them was born, and like I don't know if it was him or someone. I think it was him. I think it was Joe. It was like pulling it through the bars on the fence, like because he wanted to like get it, and it's like yeah. just been fucking born. Like why just give it a little bit of time with its mum. Uh, shit yeah, like that, man, bothered me. There's the a lot of things. It's like, obviously, that's painful for yeah. a fucking newborn having a chain link fence scraped across his back. And he's like, yeah, come here, come here. I got to check to see what sex you are. And it's like, dude, can't you wait? Like, a yeah. Minute. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just little things like that actually bothered me watching it. I was just like, oh, that's really bothering me to watch it. Yeah. But I'd, see, and so one scene that was it a cheetah or a jag or something like that, I can't remember, was kind of attacking him a little bit and he was pushing it back and he was like I'm going to get a gun and shoot you through the in between your eyes yeah yeah yeah. Um, and that's obviously like 
there's a lot of controversy. Did he? Didn't he do these things? That right. that moment there is not putting him in the right light. Definitely, it, it makes him look guilty by just you know by the stuff that's gone on. Just that scene alone, yeah, just kind of puts him in a bad light for the other charges that he's eventually got put in prison for. Yeah, right. I think the big picture of it though was it, it exposed true human nature as far as you take someone like Joe who got into it initially because he said he loved the, the tigers and he loved being around all these animals but then you see over time as he built his business up and he got more famous and he got more money involved it, it goes to show that how money corrupts people because even with the um, incident with Saf you know here's you got one of your employees that just had their arm ripped off and they're taking him to the hospital it cuts back to him and he's sitting in his office going, I'm not going to financially recover from this. And it's like, you're thinking about your business and how it's impacting your business right now instead of your poor employee who's laying in a hospital with their arm chewed off. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's like, you might want to put things in. Like, again, as a business owner, I understand having that outlook, but you could have had it like a week later instead of at that very moment of. Yeah, uh, of exactly. That. And, you know, and it's like, again, he <clears throat> took the animals that he supposedly loved, was so passionate about turned him into basically uh, a commodity just to use for exploitation. Yeah. So, like you say, the treatment where he goes from loving these animals and cuddling them to where he's trying to cut a promo for his music video, one is chewing <laughs> at his feet and he pulls out a gun, like shooting it in the air to scare it off and saying, hey, you're fucking up my video. And it's like, dude, you're, you're in this video because these animals have put you in this place yeah. of fame. Yeah. And here you are treating it like they're an inconvenience because they're messing up your shot. And it's like so, and like even with Carol Baskin, you know, here she is, she's all about the, the rescue of these big cats, but she's no better because she puts them in cages, and and she even says she puts them in safe places like cages till they die. So how is that any different than what they're doing? She charges pictures, you know, money for pictures to be taken with them. So the only she difference had, like, is the chain. didn't yeah, she have the lead as well? Yeah. So it's like the difference is. He was doing it in Oklahoma, and she's doing it in South Florida. So that, well, that the only difference is geographic location. As far as what's wrong is wrong, in my well, he opinion. He was breathing them as well. That was the, that was the big right. difference. But like that, that, that's what she had the issue, the problem with 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 him was that he was breathing them, and she didn't right. think he should be doing that. But other than right, that, exactly the same. Adding, she was adding to the problem of of making more tigers in captivity that can never be returned to. Yeah, their... which is true. I mean that. You know, we, which is we, true. We can admit that that is true, but yeah. But I if mean, she was really on this crusade, she'd <clears> want to shut all zoos down and and keep all the animals in the wild and have nothing in captivity, which is basically what you know the stance for PETA is. They don't want to see any unethical treatment of of an animal. Yeah. Which is whatever side you you choose to set on on that fence. I mean, but um, to me, it, it, like Saf even said, it's all about the basic responsibility of a pet owner and like. Uh, someone who cares for this animal like if you're not willing to do everything to give this animal the best life then don't don't have it you know yeah it's true so much so that Saf now doesn't want to work with animals yeah someone which is a real animals, shame doesn't right. want to actually work with them so from what he's seen during his time there so that's it's just showed you how big of an impact it's hard. So, yeah. Something else we have to keep in mind as well is that it, it's a documentary, so there is stuff that's filmed that we don't see. And even though Saf said, you know, there is, we basically seen exactly what, how, you know, the perception 
of the show is exactly true to you know true to reality basically we don't know for sure like like for example like you know you know when uh, Saf got his, his hand bitten off you know it cuts to Joe sitting in his office saying oh I'm not going to financially recover from this we don't know if that's how it went down like he, he could have spent an hour you know talking about how he right. he, he hoped that you know Saf was going to be okay and um you know, and maybe even shed a few tears. We don't know. Probably likelihood is he didn't, but we don't know that. So, yeah, just, like, right. there's actually if if people are interested in in seeing more of the show, like, I mean, I was left wanting more. So I went. The first thing I did was go on YouTube, and the, you know, the videos that that that, that guy. I can't remember his name. Something Kirkham. I can't remember his his first name now. But the guy that oh, was yeah, yeah, the yeah. guy that was filming the, the documentary. That used to be on Current affair. Yeah. 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 So. Those those things, those videos, day in the life of Joe, they are all on YouTube. They're like half an hour long each, and you can watch them. And it is a little bit different than the documentary. Like it's a little bit. There's a bit more compassion in there than 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 it was shown in the actual documentary. Like there's one that's, uh, you know, there's a a white tiger that's been bitten by a snake, and it's got like an open wound, and and Joe is you know aiding to the to the animal, and you know we can see that he cares. He's trying to trying to get it better, and he's cleaning the wound up and stuff, and. Yeah, it's right. it, it doesn't it, it just it just showed another side to it. So I was basically just saying to anybody that wants to see more stuff, go on YouTube and type it in. All his music videos are on there too, and they're just they're amazing to see. Yeah, anyway, that's, just that's <laughs> the Joe TV stuff. His reality yeah, yeah. TV that he used to do like every day at six o'clock or whatever, like he talks about. That's that the uh, the reality TV show producer yeah yeah was yeah. part of. That's right. Yeah, but well, like then you said, have. You know the lens that you can look through from the, uh, like you say that the the person that has the, the actual uh, documentary, you're only seeing what the person who filmed it wanted you to see, so you're looking at it through a very narrow lens. They can make it out to look anyway, even though the people that were involved said, "Oh, it's an accurate depiction." Again, they cut out only what they think is is not pertinent to the story that they're trying to tell. So yeah, keep keep that in mind while watching. Exactly. There's loads of animals that we didn't even know were there until the very end. Yeah. Right. We didn't yeah. even know there were. <laughs> Again, you see chimpanzees there until the very end. You know. Like, you see a lot of stuff yeah. in in this stuff on YouTube as well. He had porcupines. I didn't even know he had porcupines, but there's all kinds of stuff that you just didn't know was even in that place. So, uh, I, I mean, I do recommend going on YouTube and watching the the videos because it they're comical as well because it's Joe, you know, and you know he's a funny guy. <laughs> so. I mean, that's the thing about him. I actually do feel sorry for him in many ways. I feel that he's a misunderstood guy that's just wanted to be loved by people. And, like, he's what I admire about him is that he doesn't give a fuck what anyone thinks about him. Like, he'll dress how he wants and, and say what he wants, and he doesn't care. And I admire that in, in anybody that's, you know, to a certain extent, that's willing to actually stand up and say what they believe in and, and wear whatever right. they like he, and stuff. And He is who he is unapologetically and doesn't care if you approve of it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah. No, he doesn't. He doesn't give a fuck. Um, and, yeah. and I do. I do actually think that you know. I don't know if he's aware. Like we were talking in the interview, whether he's aware of of how big the show's gone. I'm sure he is. But um, oh, yeah. he probably is loving it. He's probably loving the fact that he's like the biggest name in the world right now. Oh, absolutely. Well, even Saf said even when he went to visit Joe's mum, it got back to Joe within like a few hours. So. I have no doubt that he probably knows how big the show is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, makes sense anyway. So yeah, what I mean... surprised me. Go on, go on. No, go on. Sorry, what surprised me was how many, how how Joe could sell tigers like within an hour. 
and yeah. there's how many is in captivity. Just I was shocked by that. Like, are you allowed to? How easy it is it to own a tiger in America? Has to be that many in captivity. And well, it, it depends on the state. Cer- certain states have different laws, and I looked it up after the show. Like, there's some states that um, you can own a tiger. You can't sell a tiger per se, because it's considered an endangered species. But you can own a tiger, which makes no sense that you can't sell it, but you can own one um, without a permit. But there's some that you have to have a permit, and then there's some states that you can't own a, a endangered animal, period. Like the Maine, the state I live in, I looked at, you can own one with a permit, but wow. you can't uh, you can't sell it. You know, so. so okay, so if you wanted to get a tiger, how difficult is that going to be? Not financially, because it's a couple of thousand dollars, isn't it, to buy one? Two two grand is what Joe said that the going rate for him was. Okay, and, so if uh, you wanted one, how, how easy could you get your hands on one? Do you think like this permit is this, is this easy to well, get? Well, I th- I think again it would depend on where you live and who your neighbors were and the, your community because. Maine is a huge state, and it's not very populated. There are some populated areas, like I live in a Bangor area, so there's you know 45,000 people right around in this area. And then you go down to Portland, where there's like a lot of people in Augusta. But then there's certain areas where you, I've gone to people's homes when I used to work for my other job, where you, they wouldn't have a neighbor for four or five miles. Yeah, so if you were like someone like that, that you went to say you know you found somebody on the internet and they drove a truck up and you made a transaction and you stashed this tiger in the back of a box van and drove it to your house unless you had somebody that you pissed off and wanted to turn you in 90 percent of people wouldn't even know you owned this thing unless an accident occurred where you had to call somebody or you know like say you you had somebody that wanted to turn you in for it um i think that's the problem with this whole market uh, of endangered animals that you know certain people want to own these animals but they don't really have the proper training to care for these animals. But and, and it makes it kind of there's really no like animal police that come around, knock on your door and say, well, what do you got in there? You got a cat and a dog. Uh, you don't have any tigers and want to check your permits. I mean, again, I'm sure to get a permit to own one legally in this state, you'd have to go through some some rigorous background checks and stuff but uh, I really don't think that it would be that hard to get your hands on one if you want one bad enough. If you had the right amount of money, I'm sure you could call up Doc Antel or, or anybody else and <laughs> go pick one up and, and uh, you know, they'd be happy to sell it to you with a, a handbook on how to how to care for your tiger, the dummy's guide to tiger wrangling, and, you know, you'd be good to go. Yeah, I just, to me, it just seems bizarre, like, to actually go out and, like, say, you know, because there's bit the scenes of him driving around with it in the car with him, and I just think, you can't go, you can't take it for a walk in the park, surely. So like it's yeah, just... cute, aren't they? The cute at first. At first, yeah, but he like he's sitting in a car with a fully adult one, just sitting next to him like a dog. No, but I think most people buy them because they're cute and they're risky animals, and and it's a they look good with thing. them. Yeah, they look good with them, and you know there there was a time in in like the the nineties and early two thousands where a lot of celebrities were getting into it. Like he even saw in, in the in, in the documentary Shaquille O'Neal, basketball players taking a tour of his ranch and he's going yeah i picked up two tigers while i'm here so it's like he bought two tigers while he was there for his own private collection and i know mike tyson when he lived in ohio he had uh white bingo tigers that he had on his property that he bought so i mean i think that's what it is too it's kind of a status thing 
that you, if you were a celebrity, if you were somebody, you had these exotic animals that not everybody could have. So it was just kind of one of these bragging things that you'd be in a social circle and be like, oh, yeah, I own a tiger. And people would be like, oh, wow, really? So, but doesn't mean you properly know how to care for one and, and you're giving it the best quality of life. It just means that you have it so you can brag and people be envious of you. And it's like that's not a reason to own an animal, in my opinion. I think it's kind of bad for the animal. I can't even have a turtle in Nova Scotia. Never mind a freaking tiger. <laughs> I can't. I, 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 I almost I had one in the UK and I, I wanted to bring it over. He wouldn't let me freaking bring it because he can't have them as pets in Nova Scotia. I'm still bitter about that. I had to fucking rehome him. <laughs> you, you can't have a turtle as a pet in Nova Scotia, but you can have a bearded dragon. Yeah, doesn't make sense, does it? And it's because there's two... I'm going off on one now. There's two okay. species of turtle native to Nova Scotia that are considered endangered or... You know, I, I don't know. There's, they're protected, basically, and there's, uh, they can catch something from turtle to turtle. Now, it wasn't actually a turtle I had. It was a tortoise. But because it's, oh, like, okay. in a fucking shell, it's been linked, lumped into the same category. So you can't have turtles or tortoises, which I think is bullshit because mine doesn't... It wouldn't have survived outside in, in Nova Scotia anyway. It's from the Middle East, to starters. So there's no way it would have survived outside there. And uh, it's not, it's not an aquatic animal. The two things that are on this list of endangered, uh, you know, uh, protected. There's fucking turtles. They're aquatic. My mine was a tortoise, so it makes no sense at all. And I had there's there's, there's somebody here that owns a wildlife sanctuary. Uh, her name is Hope. There's a TV show actually, Hope for Wildlife. And uh, at one point, I won't go into it, but she was connected to the family. And I I even went through here. I was like, is there anything you can do to get my tortoise here? Like I want I want him I want to bring him over. Is there anybody you can talk to just to see if they'll make one exception for me and maybe if you take it and then i'll come and get it from you and she said i'll do my best and she said no they will not allow it she looked into it for me apparently and no but you can go and buy a fucking tiger in maine that's ridiculous yeah well see it's really sad because you would think that the whole problem to that is you're you're a responsible pet owner you would keep your tortoise like in your home and care for him but what they have to have that law for is a guard against people who have one for a while and go, oh, I can't be bothered with it anymore, and then release it in the wild, and then they're afraid that whatever disease this thing may have that it's immune to will spread it to their indigenous turtles, which will kill off the turtle population. And so because one asshat's got to be irresponsible, then nobody can have a turtle. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and the thing is, as well, the law only just changed. So right before I moved here, about six months before, you could have them as pets, and people did. People still do. Like, if you had a, a, a pet turtle or tortoise before the ban came in, you, you, know, you were still allowed to keep it. They're not going to come and take it off you. But no one else is right. allowed to have one now. We know people that moved from Scotland a year before we moved, and they brought their turtle with them. But they wouldn't let us do it, and it just pissed me off. It's so annoying. But never mind, he's, he's been well looked after. Yes, I could, because well, one, one of the options I had was is that you can have them as pets in Ontario. So I could have flew into Ontario and then drove from Ontario into into Nova Scotia but you know then there's the whole thing of like if you're stopped by you know the police or you know whatever like they might want to see what's going on and then it's if anyone gets wind of it and then reports me they're going to come around to the house and it, it just wasn't right. worth the risk and it, it's a lot as well to travel with a tortoise it's you know it's stressful for the animal and I wouldn't want to do that on the off chance that they might oh, take absolutely. it off me so yeah but he's been well looked after by somebody that I know and I th- I do believe that if the law was to change and I still wanted to I think he would probably say you can take him back if you want, because he's got like fucking ten tortoises, so it's not like you'd miss him. So well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, 
But yeah, Clint. I called him Clint. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Clint Eastwood fan. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So if, okay. So that's the, the two important questions. Do we think that Joe was set up? Let's go with that one first. Do you guys believe that he was set up by Jeff and that James Garriston? Um, you know, basically the, the whole thing was that you know they said that he paid money. I can't remember the guy's name, but he paid money to one of Jeff's friends to one of Jeff's bodyguards to go and kill Carol Baskin. And oh yeah. Joe Joe says that he did he didn't do that, and the the money was for something else. He gave him the money for something else. But this guy, after Jeff had asked him to, this guy had, had testified to say that well, no, he did. He paid me to go and kill her, and that's the, basically that's the reason why he's in prison. So do we believe that's true, or do we think it's shit? I think he was set up. Yeah, what do you think, Al? I think there's something more to it than why is it? Why is he gone to? Of all the people, why is he gone to Jeff's right hand man? Why was Jeff not on the stand? Why did he not? I just think there's something more to it. Okay, he knows okay, so more this about is it. The, right. So if you remember, he did ask someone else at one point. Um, can you can you do can you sort somebody out for me or however he worded it? And I don't know who the guy the guy was, but the guy said like, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "Can you can you kill someone for me?" And the guy was like, "No." And it wasn't Jeff's friend; it was someone else. He asked somebody else, "Can you do this for me?" And the guy said, "No, right. I would never do that." So he had asked someone else, "Would they do it?" So that makes me question: hmm, Did you say this to this guy? Then did did this happen? It makes me wonder. I think he said that thing. He said he wants to dead a lot of times, and I think people are so used to hearing it that they weren't surprised by no, it there's so. a difference between saying it and then actually saying to someone would you do this for me if I give you money would you go and then there was the whole he looked at he figured out that she took a bike ride every day and he figured out the route she was on and go you could get it here he did all that himself that's not something you just fucking do that to me says you are, you are thinking about having this done and right, all that's, that's been that's used as evidence and yeah, yeah. and uh, Alan Glover is the name of the fella that that's it yeah was yes yeah. So I, I I'm, know, I'm on the I'm fence. A fence yeah, I, I'm a fence sitter with this. But I'm leaning more towards I think he did. I just don't think he was thinking about what he was doing. But I, I, part of me thinks, yeah, I think he probably did pay pay him to kill her. You thought you were going to get away with it. Well, my, my theory, it, it, here's my theory, because you know I'm a great conspiracy theorist. I love it all. Oh, yeah, um, go on. I love this. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, get me going. There, there, I there's a couple love theories it. I got. <laughs> my, my first theory is, and it's surfaced on the internet, that, that the fella... The Jeff Lowe character is actually Carol's first ex-husband, the abusive guy that she was running from when she met um, the guy that she ended up marrying and, and uh, you know, and getting all the money from. And if you see a side-by-side comparison of the two, the guy looks like it, it's a legitimate theory. I mean, they look similar. So the theory <laughs> is that Carol sent this guy into Joe's life to take him down from the inside and, you know, and... That, that that's a good theory but but one i think better than that here's my other theory is i think joe just always talked around about how much he hated carol baskin and jeff lowe saw that as an opportunity and pretty much told him well i know a guy and he'd be cheap so go talk to him and i think joe being joe went to this guy and said so jeff said that you would do this would be one and i think he was like yeah Pay me three grand and I'll do it. And I think he money exchanged hands, but I don't think it was Joe willingly going to him with the idea. I think it's one of those things. 
that's only three grand. I'll sell a tiger and get that back. If I give you three grand and Carol Baskin, oops, has an accident, that's one less thing I got to worry about. But I don't think that he masterminded the whole plot and came up with it like they kind of made it out like on the show. Um, I, I don't think he, because because I mean, let's face it, someone like him for all these years and wanted her dead. If if he wanted her dead bad enough, he would have found a way. You know, she she wouldn't still be yeah. walking around. So that's why I think it was kind of a setup just to get him in jail so that they can get full seas at a park and then do what they wanted with it. So, yeah. Yeah. It's an it's interesting okay. theory. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it is. And of course the other one is, do we believe that Carol killed her husband? That's the big question on everyone's mind. And it's not <laughs> even a question. People seem to think straight off the bat. She did it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she did it. <laughs> no, no yeah. doubt in my mind. <laughs> I don't know if they were fencing with this. Why? How could you be on the fence? Because there's no evidence. Because the fucking tiger ate the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> but the way it was set up, it was like he was going to do a runner and he was going to go into hiding. So there's part of me that thinks she obviously would benefit a hell of a lot from it. But then there's another part of me that thinks he... He, he moved all his finances around. He was getting ready to go into hiding. I don't know what for, but I don't know. There's part of me that thinks that as well. So I'm fence-sitting again. All right. Well, <laughs> I got a theory on this too, if you want to hear it. Oh, go, go on. on. I love a theory. <laughs> here's, here's my theory. Okay. You got this old guy who left his wife and his daughters for this young, attractive girl who basically, you know, attractive. never had any... Jesus. Well... <laughs> If you look at her old picture, she wasn't half bad looking. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now I mean, she looks like Hillary Clinton. So, you know, there, there ain't no... But anyway, that's neither here nor there nor that, anywhere. That's why you but, hate it, isn't it? <laughs> uh, no, no. Remember, I voted for her husband twice now. Come on. Um, but, but my theory is he, he, he got with her and then she saw an opportunity. Here's this rich guy who's, you know... He even had that one buddy and his lawyer who said that he was come around talking about how he was going to leave her and divorce her. So she saw this opportunity was going to go away. So next thing you know, and she even says, she even hints quite a few times that, oh, geez, like that one statement she said, if you if you want to have a tiger attack somebody, eat somebody, you'd, you'd spread sardine oil on them. Like she even come right out and pretty much said, that she has researched and figured out a way if you want to have a tiger eat somebody. <laughs> yeah, that made it. me laugh. I mean, that's that's kind of like the O.J. Simpson book that says, you know, here's my written confession because I know I was acquitted, so I'm not going to come right out and say I did it. But if I was going to do it, I'm going to lay it out point by point on how I would think the murder would go. And then he outlines it all in his book, and you're like, well, obviously that's a confession that he knows he can't get double jeopardy okay. on. So Jesus Christ, he's admitting to it. So I think that's kind of the way that she – hinted about it and and if you watch her she is if you notice um, i'm a great person of watching people's body language a few times when they asked her things was if they asked certain questions that she didn't want to answer she rolls her eyes up in her head she kind of laughs it off and she looks down to the side like she's looking for an answer people who are telling the truth don't need to be that animated and be that big a production about it if you if she really truly didn't feed her husband to the lions or the tigers if they'd have said, "Did you do this?" She'd have said, 
No, that's absurd. She wouldn't have to sit there and do the old, oh, and roll her eyes up in her head and go, that's <laughs> absurd, and look off and go, oh, why? Like, that's, to me, that's a little too dramatic. You're trying to deflect from what you're saying with your body language, so it, it's a distraction from the truth. That's just me. I, I think she's guilty and she ought to be swimming with the fishes down in the Ozarks. That's that's my that's my uh, theory on it. But so you don't want me to try and get it on the show then? It's well, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll fucking ask her. I ain't afraid. But just Carol, if you're listening, I think you're innocent until proven guilty. And Hillary Clinton, if if you're if you're listening, I don't think you've ever killed anybody. Just putting that out there. <laughs> you're a lovely lady and you're a great first lady and secretary of state so having said all that i think i won't have like a mysterious heart attack next week and die so and uh, wanna... yeah <laughs> <laughs> and carol todd likes what he sees yeah you know for the right price you're a millionaire <laughs> making a decent proposal we'll talk <laughs> i'll wear a cat suit i ain't afraid I can imagine you with a little collar around your neck. <laughs> oh boy! I can feel it. I can feel a photo edit coming on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's the picture of Carol Baskin with her husband. He's dressed up like the cat. Yeah. He looks, he looks like he just took a shit in a litter box, and he's got that like docile look on his face, like a lazy guy, and it's like. Put my face on that picture and fucking put it out there, and I love it. <laughs> you know it's gonna happen. Amazing, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know what stood out for me with the Carol story? Is that she, she went to um, I don't know what you what you call it, but where she have to officially declare the person dead after five years. Oh yes, yes. like she went five years in one day. It's like she's not helping herself. Yeah. <laughs> in that situation <laughs> if everyone's already thinking you're guilty then you wait five years and one day you could have you know she's always been counting down oh it's five years I'll go tomorrow do you know what I mean it's yeah. just like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you Today's could have left it a little like, bit longer yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah I'm fence sitting with that brilliant excellent <laughs> saying, with, with all the things that you see and all the things that came out of her mouth and her actions, to me, it points toward there was some foul play involved. If she didn't, if she didn't feed him to the tigers, she knows who did. I'm putting it that way. <laughs> right, everyone's got to watch the body language in front of Tom now. Definitely, <laughs> it's like watching a poker match. You see, everybody has their own little tells that they do when they get something good or bad, and you can read them like a book. That, that's the secret to poker. It's not your cards; it's the person's body language. So. Watch the body language, and you'll you'll get the truth. And I'm, I'm a in- terrible liar. I'll be caught straight away. <laughs> I'm interested to know what what our listeners think as well. If they've got any theories, so please, you know, let us know. Send us a DM or tweet us or whatever, and let us know what you think. Because uh, this is it's interesting stuff. I would like to see if they do do a second series. I think it'll be interesting. I'm not sure what they could do because he, obviously Joe's in prison. But I don't know. Maybe he'll get out. I don't know. To me, it seems a shame to leave him in there for that long when nobody actually died. You know what I mean? Well, I think it's tigers, a bit much. It's well, the tigers, yeah. I, I, no, I, I get that. I get that. But no, no humans were killed. You know, like that. The whole reason why he's in there is, is for that reason. You know, that it was a plot to have Carol killed, and she's still with us. So, right. I don't know. Anyway, we can wrap up this episode. <clears throat> this has been like a Tiger King special. 
which we don't do very often. I think the last time we did a special, it was uh, a Trailer Park Boys one, to be honest. So it's been refreshing to uh, focus on a different kind of show. And uh, everyone's you, talking about it. Did you take so. on uh, what you thought about the whole Carol Baskin situation, if she did it or not? Oh, um... Give us your I, point of view on that. I... I, I don't don't I don't believe she did no. I what? Just, I know she, you got you got Kelly <laughs> Kelly sitting on the fence. You're like a dead cert. She did it, and I'm like, yeah. Oh. And the reason why is because there's just there's no evidence. It seems like a funny, a funny you know like um, what's the word I'm looking for? It it works out really well if she did like just for the documentary. It's it's quite you know, it just adds to the whole shock appeal of it. But did she do it? I don't think so. The the best thing I liked to come out of that was the music video that he made for the Here Kitty Kitty song. That was amazing. <laughs> where he gets a lookalike of Carol to play Carol <laughs> in the video and feeds the meat. The full video for that is on YouTube, by the way. You've got to watch it. And lyrically, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing lyrically. So He doesn't uh, help himself, does he? That's no, he doesn't. That's what I mean. Like He doesn't help himself. But No, I, I, I don't know. I just don't feel like she did. I don't, I'd have to, I'd, there'd have to be some evidence there. There's nothing to say she did I'm it. Leading more to, I'm leaning more towards she didn't, but there's a few things that's like the five years of one day makes you go, oh, hang on a minute. You know, question yeah. things. Uh, but, yeah. I'm, I'm convinced a thousand percent. She <laughs> I'll be the minority. I don't care. <laughs> all opinions, all opinions, Carol or Todd Walters. <laughs> Do you know what I? Do you know what I did notice? <laughs> what I did notice about about him, about Joe, is that um, he's very much uh, like Dick Johnson. <laughs> yeah, if, if Dick Johnson was gay and you turn him up a, a couple notches, you'd definitely have Joe Exotic. <laughs> yeah, so that Joe time. Exotic, we got Dick Erotic. <laughs> 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 excellent so uh, we can wrap it up now so just give out our details so you can go to majorsmesshall.com that's our website our Instagram is Messhall Podcast. our Twitter is at majorsmesshall our Facebook you can just find us on Facebook by searching Majors Mess Hall. and of course the Patreon page is patreon.com forward slash majorsmesshall and that is if you want to support us you can donate whatever you want monthly to us and um, it all goes towards the podcast. You know, we, we say that say this in every episode, but, you know, the replenishments of uh, old equipment and, um, you know, uh, things like the website. You have to pay for the website and the SoundCloud fee and stuff like that. So if you want to support us there, you can do. Um, but other than that, thank you very much for listening again. Thank you for Kelly for stepping into Craig's giant size 12 <laughs> and uh, helping us with the interview and uh, obviously talking to us now as well before and after. And, no uh, thank, thanks to my co-pilot Todd for helping oh, to helping to fly this. <laughs> and if this is your first time listening to Major's Mess Hall, please do <clears throat> go back over some of our other episodes. We've had some really interesting guests on in the past, um, and you know it's normally it's a comedy-based podcast where we just we do some skits and things, and like we say, we have some funny guests on. We play some games. Uh, it's pretty much a riot, and it takes you out of reality for an hour or so. So yeah, check us out. Anyway, we'll, we will be back for episode 118, which is coming up soon. I can't even believe 118. We're getting into this now, aren't we? It's going to go up even quicker now that we're doing a weekly. Exactly, yeah. We are weekly now. Normally, we're every two we're weeks. We're going to hit episode 200 in no time. Yep, I think we will. Because I mean, just because of this pandemic, we figured we'd go weekly. So we made a decision um, last week to go weekly. So that's what we're doing. So 
So normally every Wednesday or Thursday we will put an episode out and once this pandemic is dealt with we will probably go back to two weeks again uh, just to give me a break from the editing because it's, uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a stressful thing to get done. So yeah, anyway guys, let's say bye and we will see you next time. Alrighty, take Thank care. You. Bye. Peace, peace out. <laughs>